Hi everyone, um, just wanted to open this episode by acknowledging that since we recorded this episode uh, about a month ago, a lot has happened in India, our motherland, um, and wanted to encourage everyone here to donate if they can um, to uh, COVID relief efforts that are happening in India. Um, we have all been personally impacted by this crisis and specifically what's going on in India right now. And we would appreciate if our listeners who can would donate. Uh, some links are going to be in the episode summary. Okay, on to the episode. Okay, here we are. Here we are. Episode 27. So, <laughs> so this is Crown Burndown. Crown Burndown. The Brown Burndown. The Brown Brown burn down. <laughs> 27. Here we are. We're back. We are back. Um, <laughs> quick plug to please review. Rate, review, subscribe, guys. Yeah. We mentioned on our last episode that we had um, an internet troll who tried to bring us down, but we didn't let him or her. Probably him. Maybe, <laughs> but we would love to hear from you guys if you have new reviews for us and as always keep sending us your thoughts um we have a great episode for you today we have a lot to cover so let's get right into it i think we wanted to open this episode um as we have opened episodes in the past unfortunately with increasing frequency to acknowledge some of the really difficult things that are happening in this country right now. And uh, just wanted to kind of put a spotlight on the Asian American hate and anti-Asian violence that's been happening in this country for a long time, uh, increasingly since the beginning of COVID, but, you know, seems to be finally getting some national and international attention as a result of a really horrific series of attacks and um, a devastating shooting that happened in the Atlanta area um, between the last time we recorded this podcast and now. I think it's really difficult to talk about um, and it's been very difficult to watch the news, especially after this shooting in Atlanta that was very obviously um, a hate crime. Um, Since then, there have been more incidents that we see on the news of especially older people being targeted. We wanted to let our listeners know that we're here for you and we stand with you and we're here for any sort of support that you may need as we see these really troubling things in the news and hear and worry about the safety of our our friends and family. I think yeah. for, for me, what was um, like really surprising after, especially that shooting in Atlanta, was how like the the official statements from a lot of politicians who I thought would have the Asian communities back were very vague on motives and um, trying to understand clear pictures and understand the full extent of the person's intentions when they went and murdered 
a handful of people. Um, and I think that that kind of language is really upsetting and can be further damaging to an already very, very troubling situation. So it just felt, I mean, I guess I'm not as familiar with the legal precedent for that, but it, it felt like minimizing mm -hmm. and I felt like the entire situation was a double. I think one thing it's important to point out that these attacks have primarily targeted the East Asian community. Mm, yeah. Um, not to say that the South Asian community hasn't been targeted consistently since 9-11 for various other things. And of course there's the Sikh massacre that we've described on this podcast before, I believe. But I think as South Asians who aren't necessarily being directly targeted in these attacks, but also who understand kind of what racism in this country has, has done to like immigrant groups firsthand, it's a really excellent time to be a good ally, whether that is like speaking up for this community. So East Asians are not responsible for exclusively kind of being the voice and carrying the burden, um, or like obviously donating, um, getting involved if it's safe for you to do so in protests and rallies. Um, I think at this point, unfortunately, we all know a little bit better what it looks like to be an ally because there have been so many instances in the past year of like a need for allyships mm -hmm. for various communities. So again, whatever, however you feel safe to support, I do think that um, South Asians and obviously, you know, white people and other races have a big um, role to play. That being said, this specific incident, incident was also, I think, triggering for me too, and I think hopefully for everyone who saw it, by the fact of this horrible, like, racist attack, followed by kind of a weird denial of the fact that it was race mm -hmm. motivated, even though it was only, essentially, I believe, almost exclusively Asians who were killed. Um, and there was a conversation about like, it was like a sexual addiction yeah. or something mm -hmm. in a way that I just felt like these people's lives were being minimized in, I don't even have really words as I think about it more and how upset it made me and how upset it made my friends to think about, um, like just, you know, having seen a series of racist attacks over the course of COVID and then being told that a very clueless racist attack was like a sexual fetish and he just had a bad day yeah. for the police officer. The dialogue following that incident was the same dialogue that I think has recurrently happened, which is let's humanize the perpetrator. Let's yeah. like find out more about what their life was like. This happened in, in Kansas City when an Indian man was shot. Um, the article that ran the paper here the next day was about how he was a Vietnam War vet and he was mowing his neighbor's lawn just the day before and he was a good citizen and he voted in every election. Like, like I don't care. Like, I, yeah, I, he's I, a murderer. I also, I just think that like, it was so gross to like demean their deaths to like, oh, like sex addiction or something. Yeah. And 
in a way that's very clearly tied to also the way that Asians are treated in this country, particularly East Asians and how they're fetishized. And I think it opens up a conversation that many people have been having about how, like, growing up, there were always guys at your high school who had quote-unquote yellow fever and who, like, only dated East Asian girls and how that's a gross fetish and a generalization about a race that you're making without their consent and in a really creepy way that for some reason we've completely like has become increasingly normalized in this country like how many white dudes have Asian girlfriends I just I think that the flip side and the harm that that this does to that community and like the really messed up ways people think about East Asian women in particular um, is kind of manifesting in this shooting. So yeah, it's just really sad. It's really sad. And if you can't tell, Tars and I are struggling to find the right words to discuss this because it's just, it's very troubling. This is something that has been on our minds and if it's been on yours too and you want to talk to us or want to reach out and for any other kind of support, we're, we're here for you. Um, and on th- that note, I I think the rest of our, our episode is going to be um, a lot lighter. So I apologize for the sharp pivot, but um, we do have an exciting episode for you today and a lot to cover. Um, so, Charles, shall we get started? Rabs, do you have any lingering thoughts from last time? Um, I watched Minari. That's my main <gasps> lingering thought. Yay! I finally watched it. And it was amazing. It was beautiful. And I 200% agree with you that it was one, like, sorry, 200% agree that it was 100% <laughs> an American story. Like, did not deserve to be nominated in any other category aside from best drama. It was probably one of the like best movies I've watched in the last few years. Like it was so heartwarming and it was I watched it kind of like when I was going through a little bit of a difficult personal time and it made me feel so good. It made me feel so seen. I saw so much of my own childhood reflected in their story and it was it was beautiful and I made my family watch it right after I watched it. They equally loved it although spoiler my mom does feel like she wished she could have seen a more concrete happy ending but I feel like they still (laughs) got it um it was so freaking good everyone should watch this movie um it was fantastic yeah I'm glad you liked it I agree I think it would be really hard to dislike this movie it's a really beautiful American story and uh deserves all the Oscars so watch this space Oh, yeah, next week. Did you see that White Tiger was nominated? I did for Best Adapted Screenplay. Did you watch it yet, by chance? No, I saw it. Still, me neither. I have not watched it. (laughs) No. I almost watched it a few nights ago with my roommate, but then she was like, it looks like maybe a little too intense for 11 p.m. on a Tuesday. And I was like, maybe. I agree with that, yeah. I think as far as lingering thoughts, that's all I had. As far as thoughts from our friends, our favorite section of this podcast, it's been pretty sparse there lately. Yeah, we want your thoughts, even if it's just like, yeah, I agree. That would be helpful to have as well. Yeah, that would be nice. 
Can I talk about Tars gave a really good talk in grad school. No, about, I'm going to cut this out. No, I, I will be editing this and I'm going to keep it in. She gave such a freaking good talk that it was, uh, it was beautiful and it was perfect. And it was about why entertainment is one of the most important vehicles for social change. And it really was the perfect, perfect picture of what the, we're trying to do with this podcast here. Um, Tars did such a freaking good job so inspiring and I'm very 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 impressed by you Tars as always was pretty much catered specifically to you <laughs> well I was here for it <sighs> yeah okay um so totally very different let's talk about our favorite people <laughs> sharpest pivot ever um <laughs> so we love them we hate them we love to hate them. Yes. Um, Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra. What have they been up to? I can't believe otherwise. you listened to his album. <laughs> I did, okay, okay. In my defense, I didn't listen to it. I just read the lyrics, but it's just as bad. <laughs> it would have been better if I just listened to it, probably. I read the lyrics, which don't exactly read well, but um, they're entertaining. So, um, I think we may have discussed this on the last episode, but there, there are signs in those lyrics that things are not as rosy as they seem on Instagram, and I would just like it to be known that I read it and I know about it. But she's still there. Okay, what else are they up to? She was on Oprah, yeah! I, like, right after Megan, she was on Oprah, but, like, also, where did that air, and did anyone watch it? I don't think so. So, it aired on, like, Oprah's new, like, Discovery thing. It's on, like, Discover TV or whatever. So, you have to get a subscription to it. Okay, definitely not getting that. Yeah. And I didn't see any of the interview, but I did see memes on subtle traits of us, some of the things (sighs) she said. Like, apparently, she said this, like, really cringe comment about, like, being aware of Islam. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that's all I'll say. Seems in line for her, yeah. If anyone's seen it, let us know how it was. If anyone's read her book, let us know how it was. Still haven't read that. I do think that we would have a fun time reading the book if we were to Should do, we do it. a book club? Would people do a book club with us if we read, like, a <laughs> chapter every week or something? Or, of like, a Priyanka Chopra's memoir. <laughs> I think that would be a really fun book club. Oh my gosh, actually. DM us if you want to be part of this book club, because otherwise it'll just be us. Which would also be fun. Which would be fun too, but you know. (laughs) But, um, well, I think that's about it, right? Oh yeah, she has a new restaurant. She has, I think I just saw it on her Instagram, she's opening a new restaurant in Flatiron in New York. What? Our old spot? Yeah, and she did a soft opening, and indoor dining is in full swing. (gasps) Which seems like an odd time to open a restaurant, but I feel like it's probably something she planned a long time ago. Anyways, um, yeah, she's foraying into the restaurant industry. Sona. It's an Indian restaurant. Mm -hmm. It has stunning interiors that reflect Priyanka Chopra's design aesthetic, according to Indian Express. Vogue has a first look. Wow. Get out. Yeah, there's spicy water is in this thing, so I know that I'm not gonna <laughs> like this article. <laughs> spicy water with pop shells. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Pani Puri. <laughs> no, I think it's like shots of 
like, oh, spiced tequila and avocado, vodka, pani, and pickled beets. This is gross. Ew. Wait, yeah, like, what's classic? Zira and potato? I don't understand this. Okay, but, like, if you wanted, like, let's say, um, a dosa, gruyere cheese dosa, that sounds disgusting, with edamame, ma RB mash, coconut, and roasted tomato chutney. It's $22. For a dosa? Oh, my God. Yeah. Crispy garlic crab rice is $34. Braised lamb biryani is $34. Honestly, like, this just doesn't look that good. And the, oh, no, at the bottom, there's a glossary. RB, root vegetable, also known as taro. Bale, popular savory street food from Mumbai. This is, like, the white personist Indian restaurant I've ever seen in my whole life. I mean, that all checks out. Anyway, that's all you need to know about Sona. Okay. Well, enough about them. Let's move on to the main event. So in our last episode, we recorded our last episode a few days before um, the Meghan Markle and Harry interview aired with Oprah, um, and we gave you guys, well actually no, we didn't include it in our last episode, but we, when we recorded our episode, we were talking about it, and we ended up actually, um, our thoughts and predictions still they still land today. People um, should pay us for that. E news? Anyone? <laughs> so, what were our takeaways from this interview? If you didn't catch this interview, I feel like you must have at least read about it or mm -hmm. heard about it or seen a meme about it. Mm -hmm. I experienced all of the above. <laughs> um, but. What's your favorite meme? Um. There were a lot of really good medical memes about it. Oh, really? Like with the Oprah's, like, hands. The hands, the hands. Yes. <laughs> That was amazing. Wait, can you give me an example? Yeah, there is this one where it's, like, uh, there's this, like, joke. Okay, if there are any ER physicians that listen to this podcast, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you must know the stereotypes. There's this, like, there's this joke that ER physicians, like, they just throw their patients into the CAT scanner and then that's how they get their diagnosis and they like don't really do anything else to get the diagnosis which is not true might I add um, <laughs> but um, there was this meme that was like Oprah with her hands up like that and it was like ER physicians like yeah. talk to the patient and her hands are up and it's like throw, <laughs> throw them in the CT and then she's like okay <laughs> that was really that one was really funny <laughs> what they told us about the interview was that none of the questions had been like discussed in advance nothing was off limits they met in like a third party location so I think they were at like a mutual friend's backyard which also looked amazing um, oh my god yeah right and um, they were not paid for the interview these were like yep. the things that were like the disclaimers um, and Oprah, I feel like, went right into it. Like, she... Yeah. I feel like she asked, like, all the questions that... She's an amazing interviewer. Yeah, like, she really has is. and always will be. Yeah. Really, truly. Okay, sorry. One last... It's not even a meme. It's just a viral tweet. There's some that are picture-oriented that I won't pretend to explain. <laughs> but I really like this one where someone in all caps is like... 
Once again, America will defeat the British monarchy by spilling tea. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. That's but funny. we'll get back to that. Defeating the British monarchy is definitely on our yeah. to-do list. And as we mentioned in our previous episode, um, why are people not actively trying to get rid of the stupid monarchy? We will always ask that question. Yeah. You pay for this, guys. Yeah. I do think that this is, like, probably... Okay. This is a hot take. This is probably the closest we'll ever be to taking down the monarchy. Or we have ever been to taking down the monarchy. Do you disagree? No. I think it's also crazy that, like... The queen is still the monarch for Canada and Australia. Yeah. Which, like, that's, I feel like that says a lot. Like, this may be the closest we have ever been, but still, it's still not that close. It's still I mean, never. It doesn't feel I like think it's ever by, happened. like, yeah, but, like, lethargy wise, that she's, like, still the head of state technically for these yeah. very established democracies. And I wonder how much this will change things. Not necessarily in regards to the queen, because in that interview, they were so adamant that the queen is babu and, like, she's never done anything wrong in her whole life. Right, yeah. Which, like, she presided over, like, the British Empire. That was definitely doing a lot yeah, of things. Like, so, okay, sure. sure. <laughs> we all know how Meghan and Harry feel about the Commonwealth because we read their stupid website. But anyway, um, I also think that it's painting Charles in a really poor light. And also will, actually. Yeah. And so when they come up to the plate, I feel like people may be less excited to be hanging with them. Yeah, definitely. I think that... Okay, so big takeaways from this interview. Definitely that, Tars. I think that Charles and Will, they look very much complicit in this pattern of active racism active discrimination, actively denying Meghan Markle specifically uh, resources for her own mental health, resources for the protection of her child, um, protection from false allegations in the media. Um, these things are it feel it felt very like concrete. like this is how will and Charles have actively contributed to these people feeling the way that they do and experiencing those horrible things that happen to them. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, I think the that Megan brought up like a couple of bombshell um, revelations mm-hmm. about like how the monarch monarchy they like members of the royal family were worried about the color of their baby's skin. Um, which like let's take a step back and just like process that for a second like yeah this country that colonized half the world including many countries in africa and south asia in 2021 is worried about having a family member with not white skin yeah a family member who is still royal who is coming from a ton of privilege to very beautiful parents like is like literally everything that they are, but may have had slightly darker skin, and that was a concern. Yeah. Yes. It makes 
zero sense. But were you surprised? I was not surprised. The sad thing was I was not surprised at all. Yeah. Like, of course they're racist. Yeah. Also, like, none of them have any non-white friends. Like, that's always a flag. It's a huge flag, yeah. I do think that the, the conversation after the interview with regards to this topic was which member of the royal family said it. And I think that maybe a lot of the conversation was focused on, like, the more gossipy aspect of the interview like yeah. that for instance um rather than being like uh this is so bad but i think this oprah's so oprah's reaction to that was what on. yeah she was just like truly horrifying um and then i think i saw a lot of conversation after the interview to this point also about the difference between colorism and racism and i think i saw a tweet that was like Colorism is what allowed Meghan Markle to ever enter the royal family, but racism is what forced her to leave. And I think that was, like, that's another, like... um, That is interesting. It is interesting, right? Because, I mean, she's a very fair-skinned black woman. Um, Yeah. Their baby is very fair-skinned. And the fact that, well, like like you said, it was not acceptable to the royal family (laughs) makes no sense. But also, like, yet again, brings up the issue of colorism and what, who is even allowed to have a seat at the table in the royal family? Um, No one. No one. Like, I mean, it's also, like, a thing about, like, who could revitalize the royal family's, like, dying level of public interest more? Someone like Meghan, who's a Hollywood actress and has a huge following in America, where a lot of the royal love comes from, typically, like, we're all celebrity obsessed here. She has a career. She has a following. She's beautiful. She has a lot of famous friends who people are excited about versus someone like Kate, which again, they talk about in the interview. Like it should not be a comparison between these two women. They like didn't actually have tension. This was a whole media manufactured thing, but just in terms of thinking about the people who have entered the Royal family most recently and like who they've accepted and who they haven't, the Royal family specifically, not the media. Um, Whereas Kate is, like, beautiful also, but, like, doesn't provide any new value for their brand. Like, thinking from it, about it from a brand yeah. perspective. Like, you would want more Megans. Like, you would want people to care more about what you guys are doing. You wouldn't want necessarily, like, your, you know, prince's long-term girlfriend who, like, comes mm. from a similar place and is, yeah. like, pretty expected. Status quo. That's not good yeah. for the – yeah, that's not good for the monarchy brand. Yeah. So it's crazy that they've been so anti her. Like it, like it must be racism because like all the other things are like pros, right? Right. Exactly. It makes it makes no sense. Um, we should talk about. Wait, I was there anything else from the interview that we wanted to mention? Um, Megan, the extent, I think the, to me, the, like, the saddest part of the interview was, like, the extent to which Megan tried to seek help when she was depressed, suicidal, um, and was actively denied any help. That was just so, so heartbreaking, and the response to that, if you read the British tabloids or listen to stupid Piers Morgan, is like, oh my god, like, she's like the worst actress we've ever seen like she'll tell a lie about anything to get attention which is just 
How Pierce Morgan, who was went on one date with her, yeah. and then she rejected him because she met Prince Harry and also probably wasn't ever into him and just was being polite, and now has like had a personal vendetta against her. There's like so many interviews of him being like, yeah, we went on one date, I don't know what happened, like, and now has this personal vendetta against her because she rejected him, which is so classic. Like, everything yeah. makes a ton of sense. Like, this Matt Gates stuff, like... Yeah. horrible makes so much sense it's so sad when the world works exactly like you think it does yeah exactly yeah like they were just really terrible to her and I think like my takeaways from that interview aside from these points that we talked about was one Harry's not an awesome public speaker no. to be honest Megan is fabulous like yeah. she is very PR trained she could easily be a spokesperson for a company like she knows what she's talking about um, and I actually found her to be, I don't know, it's like a likability thing, but I found her to be seemingly really genuine. Like it, I could mm-hmm. see that there were some questions that she wasn't anticipating from Oprah and like mm-hmm. could see her live processing them. And I thought that like, she's just a polished person, which is a pretty admirable trait, I think. Uh, again like per our earlier clip like she might be difficult. Someone who's been in Hollywood for a while probably is, but that doesn't mean that like she's deserving of the treatment that she got in any way, shape or form. Nor do I think that someone like if like Harry had married Ellie Golding, who he had dated briefly would have experienced the same treatment. I just don't think she would have. Yeah. I agree with that. Back on the Harry point. Yeah. Not only do I feel like Harry is not the best public speaker, um, which is like odd because I think he's probably been doing that for a long time. Um, what else does he do? Right. Uh, I just feel like he could have done more. I think that in the interview, yeah, they were, maybe he was caught off guard at times by Oprah. But then again, like, how? Like, surely <laughs> he expected some of those questions. Um, so perhaps he was caught off guard. But there were multiple instances where I think he could have actively called what they experienced racism and he didn't. And yeah. he kept circling back to how much respect he had for his grandmother and how they were so scared it felt like yeah exactly and I was like why are we like what do you have to lose at this point like literally what do you have to lose you have nothing to lose his family has cut off security for you which also is like a very like active form of violence they like they cut off security for them they financially cut you off too they literally do not care what you do now why yeah. why maintain any sort of sense of respect for your grandmother who is at the end of the day the representative of a very racist institution mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's the face of he it came, she's the face of it he came across to me as a little bit whiny whereas like megan came across as like someone who had been really wronged and like was speaking out about it because she deserved whereas he came off a little bit like they suck, which, like, we yeah, they do, but that's not the yeah. way to, like, position it. Like, Yeah, we were stifled. We were stuck. Like, And Oprah like, called it out. She was like, she was like what? royal. Yeah, <laughs> she was like, in your castle of privilege, you felt like you were stuck. That I was also great. I feel like they were trained in certain ways. How, like, Megan was so deferential to him when he showed up in a way where I'm like, 
I don't believe this for a second. Like, this is a really powerful woman who knows what she wants. Like, I don't believe that your, like, day-to-day life is, like, you being deferential to Harry, who's literally done nothing his whole life. So there was definitely some, like, media training and optic stuff they were working on. But I think so. um, Anyway. Okay, so that's on that. Um, But then there was some follow-up stuff. Like, people... There's some stuff that happened since the interview that we want to touch on. Mm-hmm. And one was, like, obviously Kate and Will didn't look very good at the end of this interview. One of the things I talked about was how, like, there was an incident with bridesmaid dresses that people said Megan made Kate cry. But it turns out was the reverse. And Megan had never been like, hey, that's not true. I made her cry. Or, like, yeah. the palace hadn't said anything about it. Um, but... Um, then, so Kate and Will needed to do some PR stuff, and uh, her, this also coincided with the Sarah Everett vigil, which, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that, Rob. So. Yeah, so I, there was a vigil for Sarah Everard, who was a woman who was living in London, I believe like 28, 29 years old, um, was walking home, seeing her friends around like 9pm, and was murdered, um, her body was found several days later. In a rough couple of weeks. It was horrible. And I think it sent shockwaves kind of across the world. Um, Yet again, another story of a woman who was walking alone and was targeted on the basis of being a woman who was alone at night. Um, And there was a vigil for her um, in London. And I mean, it it was exactly that. There were a, a lot of women who came in solidarity, a lot of speakers at this vigil. Um, the I will say the vigil ended with many women in handcuffs thrown on the ground by the London police. Um, it was, per their standards, not a safe gathering due to COVID restrictions. Um, however, most of the women who were there, I would say, were wearing a mask. I don't know the exact statistic, but... Looking at the pictures, it looks like most of the people who showed up to this vigil were wearing masks. Um, but Kate Middleton decided to attend the vigil maskless, which we have a lot of thoughts about that. And there are a lot of pictures of her yes. conveniently, professionally taken without her mask. Yes. Just, just I think what she was going for was like, I'm going to come pay my respects at this vigil and leave and I'm going to come in, like, super casual clothing, not tell anybody I'm coming. And I want the image to be, like, I'm just paying respect because, like, I think with the, the like, quote that the her team released was, like, I remember being a single woman in London. Like, I remember what that was like. Like, trying to, like, relate this horrible incident to, like, her personally. But then, like, why'd she go maskless? Why were there paparazzi there? Um, yeah. It was clearly planned. It was totally planned. And- there are ways to do that. Like, Rihanna was at a, like, stop AAPI hate rally this week in a mask uh, and, like, anonymous to the point that, like, people, like, didn't recognize her. And someone was showing me a video of, like, how someone was, like, oh, like, what's your Instagram handle? And she put, like, bad girl Riri and they, like, didn't believe her because she was, like, full on masked and everything. Like, whatever. That's but anyway, cool. like. There are ways to show up without making it a PR stunt. And it's just like there, this whole Harry and Meghan interview made it clear that everything the royal family does is for the tabloids. Yes, exactly. Like, she thought that she could look like she just wanted to, out of her own will, leave 
Kensington Palace and go to this vigil because she wanted to support a girl that she like identified with. No, like your literal <laughs> every move is controlled by this institution. You would not be able to get away with that. And so obviously that was a PR stunt. And obviously they decided to do it. They decided to use that moment just a few days after this interview was released. And then suddenly the tabloid headlines went from like Meghan Markle, like caught in another lie to Kate Middleton, like pays her respect. Like what a like true queen. Like we're so lucky to have her. So Bomb! <laughs> it's just wild to me. And okay, the other part of this interview that I think is actually like crazy that I didn't realize happens is that the Meghan Markle mentioned that the tabloid like comes to a Christmas party in the palace every year and like they're very much in cahoots with one another like the crown controls what the tabloid gets to print Mm -hmm. and so this is very much active and intentional like whatever they print gets some sign off from what goes on inside the palace it's so crazy like that's so sad these people, I mean, for them, happy for us, but, like, they used to control the world, and now they just have a parasitic relationship with tabloids to exactly. be relevant. Yeah. Like, they're so irrelevant. <laughs> um, I guess the last two things that we want to say, one is that the royal family released a statement after this whole interview saying, like, it was, like, Rumor that they were in crisis mode for a few days, and like we talked about in the earlier segment, we're, like, freaking out and trying to deflect and make it seem like, oh, there's nothing going on, like, it's all fine. Um, But then uh, I think once the interview aired, they realized that they would look really awful if they said anything cruel about this interview or about Megan. So the interview was, like, we're so sorry to hear about the difficulties that they experienced, which was, like, you were there. What do you mean? You absolutely knew what was going on. Like, are you serious? And then, of course, like, individual perceptions differed on what happens, which felt really backhanded and, like, you're wrong, but a, like, nice, like, patronizing way of saying it. So that was interesting. Um, But it doesn't seem like, per recent reports, the relationship between any of them has gotten any better. Um, And then finally, there was a very weird spread in one of the tabloids by this one black guy who claimed to be good friends with Prince William and had all these pictures of them together and was just talking about how he couldn't possibly be racist because he's my friend and we've done all this stuff together. Okay, one, I think it's insane that the only black quote-unquote friend that they could find of his was someone who he started working with when he was well into his 20s and he was working with in a work (laughs) capacity on a homelessness issue. Like, this is, like, a non-profit guy who he, like, Will got to know for his personal branding around his homelessness thing. Maybe they became (laughs) friendly. That is not a friend. And that's the only person they could find to talk about how it's not racist. His entire circle is 100% white. Also, it was the most planted story I've ever seen in my entire life of, like, so clearly this, like, guy who runs this, like, nonprofit around homelessness is not going to be going to the tabloids of his own volition to take time out of his work to do this, like... PR thing for the prince like 
are you kidding me? No, this was for sure a planted thing, which made me feel like he was definitely, I think actually, no, you said this to me, like, this means that Will was the one who said the racist thing, probably. I'm, yeah, I'm fairly certain of that. If not him, maybe Charles, but I feel like more likely Will. They don't I think more likely Will. Yeah, they don't talk. They don't talk, which is so sad. Like, they've been through the same experience together. Yeah. And also, like you said, again, back to the branding thing. Like, if you are the British monarchy and you want to stay relevant, you want the younger generation to believe in you and support you and like for some reason think that you have a right to exist like this is what you do from a branding (laughs) perspective you support people like Meghan Markle you make sure you have a diverse group of friends like even if it's for the optics they haven't even done that they have not even done that they haven't even the bare minimum how can you say you're like a commonwealth representative and only hang out with white people yeah like, that's so bad. And how did they not have that foresight, you know? Yeah. And then I think the funniest was when Will gave that, like, that reporter asked, oh, yes, this is also the, this goes in hand with this, that after this interview, every PR opportunity or press opportunity, whatever photo shoot opportunity that the royal family had, they made sure to have, like, as many black, <laughs> black people in there. <laughs> In the surroundings, like, I think <laughs> Charles went to uh, a nursing hospital. home or a hospital, yeah. yeah, and it was, like, all black patients. Then the reporter <laughs> that Will, like, allowed to follow him for a day was was black, just conveniently. It's just so obvious. So obvious. And when this reporter asked him if their family was racist, which also... Bold choice. Bold question. What was she expecting? Uh, He was like, we're very much not racist. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like overall zooming out. It's just uh, emblematic. And I think if I were British, but also South Asian, I would just be really upset. I haven't talked to any of my relatives who live in the UK. Actually, I probably should see what they think. But um, I would be really upset because I feel like there's so much pain in the legacy of how racist England has been for very long. My mom lived in the UK when she was growing up and experienced really terrible racism. Um, And like for them to pretend that it doesn't exist at all or like washed away. Or I think what was incredibly shocking was Prince Harry didn't know that systemic racism existed until like a year ago. Yeah. That is bad. Yeah. I'm happy that he figured it out when his wife was half black, but I think like they all absolutely need to know what that is if they're going to pretend to be the monarchy and the leaders of the commonwealth like whatever the hell that means yeah this was all a yikes um right after the interview maybe like a week or two after um prince harry got a new job at a startup that actually tarzan are kind of familiar with because we had many friends who worked at it um or still still do have many friends work at it and he terry's gonna be the chief impact officer at this company called better up it's like a life coach it's Uh, a coaching company coaching corporate 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 coaching. coaching but um it's very cool company I would like to say that I visited their office when it was not even at a WeWork and there were six employees damn and uh Look how far they've come. Yeah. Terry is their spokesperson. We're in um, for them. 
But yeah, so I'm not super worried about his financials. I think no, I think they'll fine. be fine, and they're they're signing so many deals with Netflix, etc. Um, okay, so our hot take, which is actually a hot tweet for this week, is very on brand with what we just talked about. Um, there's a tweet from Petty Draper, who on March 7th said, what's something that feels British but isn't? And Pariah Carey <laughs> responds, the contents of the British Museum. Ah! <laughs> yep. Will always be true. Until it isn't. So let's get them to make it not. Um, done with the monarchy yeah Uh, we should make shirts that say that we should make shirts right we could get cute shirts we should follow up with some of our ideas yeah we have a lot of ideas Patreon (laughs) should we do it swag should we do it book club (laughs) should we do it I think we could make cute down with the monarchy right don't you think so I think I could do that I'm gonna write that down Um, DM us if you want one and thanks for listening, guys. That's our episode. Um, we're so happy that you've had all of this listening to us for the past 27 episodes now. Um, we're almost at our 30th. You guys have 